Testimonium Perigui, quia ic est filius Dei. I have given witness that this is the Son of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Today's feast of the baptism of the Lord, the octave day of the Epiphany, stands, as it were, at a crossroads in the liturgical year. It is, on the one hand, the culmination of everything that we've been celebrating for several weeks, his coming and his appearing among men. On the night of his birth, he was announced by angels to the shepherds. In the coming of the Magi, he was announced by a star. But today we don't have an angel speaking, we don't have a star pointing the way we have God himself speaking. The Father's voice is heard. The Spirit is seen descending in the form of a dove. The Most Blessed Trinity manifests itself to men, in a sense, openly for the first time. The three persons of the Trinity are clearly seen, the Father and the Spirit giving testimony to the Incarnate Son. And thus we have today a manifestation of our Lord which surpasses all the ones that have happened so far. And it is in that way the culmination of the celebration of his Advent and his Epiphany. And at the same time, it's a feast that points ahead to what is to come. It contains within itself, as it were, a mystical representation of the Passover which our Lord is about to undergo. The Gospel of today's Mass doesn't give us a narration of his baptism. Rather, as is so often the case, the Church gives us St. John's account. St. John doesn't describe the baptism itself, but he describes for us what it means. He gives us John's testimony about what this mysterious event signified. And John's testimony begins with the proclamation, Ece Anustei, Behold the Lamb of God, Behold Him who takes away the sin of the world. And thus, right from the outset, the mystery of our Lord's baptism is one in which He is manifested as the victim who has come to bear the sins of the world. And that's precisely what He does in His baptism. He goes down, identifying Himself with sinners. The fact that our Lord was baptized seems to have been a source of some wonderment, even embarrassment, for many of the first Christian generations. The evangelists are all at pains to make it clear what this event did not mean. It was not our Lord being baptized because he had sins of which he needed to be cleansed. John himself recognized that our Lord didn't need his baptism. Why then did he submit to it? He submitted to it in the same way in which he would submit to the death which he did not deserve to undergo. Obedient to his Father, in order to fulfill all righteousness, he would submit himself to the laws of death in this world, to the powers of this world. He would make himself obedient unto death. And he prefigures this in the act of his baptism, making himself obedient to John the Baptist, his creature and his servant. He nonetheless makes himself obedient, as it were, to John, presents himself 
to the appearance of the world almost as a disciple of John, accepting John's baptism, accepting the baptism which others were undergoing as a sign of repentance for their sins. And so he identifies himself with sinners and goes down into the waters of baptism as he will later identify himself with sinners and go down into the darkness of death. And in that moment of his baptism, he goes down into the waters and as he comes forth, the Father's voice breaks through and says that this humble and obedient Son who has not disdained to identify himself with sinful humanity, this is his beloved Son. In the same way in which the Father will raise his Son from the darkness of death, and by raising him up will give the definitive proof that he is indeed his beloved Son. And thus the mystery of our Lord's manifestation at the Jordan contains within it, in a mystic form, everything which he will do in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. But there's even more than that, because our Lord doesn't simply do this for himself. He does it so that all of us can be made partakers in this mystery. And so the tradition of the Church is always seen in our Lord's Baptism, the moment in which the waters were sanctified. In letting himself be baptized in the waters of the Jordan, our Lord sanctified all the waters in which his followers would be baptized in the name of the Trinity. He goes down to the waters not to be cleansed by them, but rather to cleanse them and to give them power to sanctify. And to call all of us to follow him, to follow him in being baptized, in so doing, to become beloved sons, and then to follow him in living out the significance of our baptism, which at bottom is identification with him in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. The last words of today's Gospel are significant. John bears testimony that this is the Son of God. We'll hear those words much later in the mouth of the Roman centurion, seeing our Lord hanging upon the cross. Truly, this was the Son of God. Our Lord is revealed as the Son in his obedience to the Father in his baptism. He's revealed as the Son in his obedience to his Father even unto death. And all of us who are adopted sons by baptism are called also to let ourselves be seen as the sons of the Father in obediently accepting all that he asks of us, even unto death. Having been made one with the Son in baptism, we are called to continually unite ourselves to him in his sacrifice, which he offers upon the altar. Here, too, he makes himself obedient to his servants and his ministers, as he made himself obedient to John. Here, too, he offers himself for sins as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And here, too, the Father looks down and says, This is my beloved Son. And so, too, may he see all of us united with our Lord in his sacrifice. And looking upon each one of us, say to us, too, This is my beloved Son. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.